All right, we are live. Um, I am here. My name is Alexander Eisner. I am with Sean Steele Law Firm. Sean is going to inevitably pop his head in at the most inopportune time to say hello. But for the uh, in the meantime, I, I get to welcome our our close friend um, and friendly Dakbar, Mr. Dr. Cliff Tao. Welcome, Dr. Tao. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so Dakbar. Let's jump right in. Um, I'm sure that most of the chiropractors who are on the call already know the answer to this, uh, but let's just start foundationally with what is a DAC bar? What do you do? Uh, good question, Alex. Uh, so I am a chiropractor. I, I went to national in Chicago, and then after school, I decided I wanted to do a little bit more on radiology. So it's, it's a three-year program. It's full-time. We get paid uh, not very much at all. And, <laughs> and then we have a test at the end. So uh, it, it's a pretty, you know, kind of laborious three years where you're just concentrating on imaging, you have to teach and there's, you know, other duties too. But uh, I think it's a, a pretty, I don't know, I, I think if you like imaging, it, it shouldn't be that hard. But three years, especially after Cairo school is, is no joke. Uh, and then I did, um, a lot of DAC bars do it now. They do an extra year or so afterwards. We call it a fellowship. So it kind of further hones in some specific skills. So I did a six month stint uh, at UCI Medical Center, unpaid, by the way. It was, that was, I couldn't, I couldn't, literally could not do it any longer. My wife was like, nah, you need to uh, start working. So, uh, so that's what a DAC bar is. And we typically, you know, do radiology consulting for other chiropractors. So we lost your video. I'm not sure if there's anything oh. we can do to get it back. Let me try. Is that better? It Sorry. is quite a bit. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so you needed you needed to get uh, get to work, and you did. So, so that so okay. So that's your background and training. What do you do, and how is it different than what a radiologist does? Uh, you know, it's not that different. You know, I, I just review images and I generate a report and we send them back to the referring Cairo. So what uh, kind of so, images can you, can you read? Uh, we do in our practice probably about 70 to 80% plain x-ray. And most of our clients are, or almost all of them are, are chiropractors. And so, you know, of those x-rays, most of them are spines. I'd probably say 80 to 90%. And then, you know, outside of x-ray, we do MRI, we do CT, and we also do CBCT, uh, which I can get into later if you want. But um, yeah, so about maybe 20, 25% is, is this uh, non-radiological imaging, MRI and CT scans. And uh, so we could read other ones, but, you know, that's kind of our, our bread and butter here. So the, Sean likes to say, and, I, and I, I will back this up, actually, in my own experience, that you get a, you know, you get, you get into a car accident, you get shipped off to the emergency room, they do an x-ray or an MRI. The radiologist who reads it if, is, is looking for cancer and broken bones. And if you don't have a broken bone or cancer, they're going to read it as a clean, as a clean scan, totally normal. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yes, that's true. I would even say they don't even look for cancer because they know it's a car accident. So they're just looking for bad fractures. It's not even, you know, the little fractures, they won't even probably mention them. Well, I mean, I've seen, and as I'm sure you have lots and lots of, of scans that come back as this, you know, this is a normal person and I'm looking at them like, mm, I don't think that's a normal person. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 
when when do they get sent to you and why are you able to see things that they're not able to see? Uh, well, you know, I, I wouldn't say that uh, I see them and they don't see them. It's just a, a different frame of mind, right? You know, in the ER, they want to determine whether they really need to admit the patient into the hospital or is this something that can be handled by someone outside of the hospital. So uh, unfortunately, everything outside of the hospital is kind of normal to them. So uh, a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times uh, the reports are, are just normal. And so, you know, why that'd be a good reason to get a second opinion is if, you know, the official medical report on this PI patient who's uh, obviously injured and hurt has a normal MRI or normal x-ray. And you, even though you as a chiropractor can, can read them and tell they're obviously not normal, you know, it's, it's a question of whether that's, uh, you can do the report and, and have it, uh, you know, worth its weight, or is it better if a radiologist does it, either me or a, a medical radiologist, you know? So it's, it's has to do with uh, cultural authority, unfortunately, you know, uh, you know, would you rather have a, a medical radiologist sign off on something or would you have a chiropractor sign off on thing, you know, and, for, and especially for a PI case. Or a chiropractor themselves just re read it and review it. And I, and I want to get into that, uh, you know, you versus the chiropractor in a second. I want to start more macro. There are specific radiologists called neuroradiologists that specialize in reading orthopedic uh, and, and neurologic uh, scans. Um, and to ask maybe a pejorative Sean Steele style question, uh, who's better, uh, you, a DAC bar, <laughs> or, uh, or a neuroradiologist? That's a, that's a very good question. And I don't have a, a clear answer. You know, it, it, and, you know, a lot of it is, it depends, you know, so, you know, overall, it, you know, there are more neuroradiologists than probably than there are chiropractors in the country. So, uh, and you know, if you look at all the different types of chiropractors, you know, that there's a, the whole wide range uh, and neuroradiology, it's a little bit tighter, but uh, you know, for the most part, you know, they're, they're very good radiologists when it comes to brain and spine, but I will say, at least in my experience, uh, you know, neuroradiology deals mostly with brain and spinal cord. And you might think, well, isn't the disc right there and the facet joints uh, and the vertebral body, of course? Uh, well, it is, but that, that is a, a small portion of what they're good at. They, they are good at it, but their focus is on neural tissue like cord and, and brain. Uh, you know, I went to a, a neuroradiology conference uh, myself just to check it out and that's exactly what it was like. It was 90% it was brain stuff, which I'm completely not interested in. And, you know, of the spine stuff, 10 to 15%, most of it was on cord stuff and not even really on the disc, uh, which is what, what we focus on. So, so they are good. It's not that it's invisible and they can't see it, uh, but their focus is a little different. So we've talked about the ER radiologist focus. We've talked about the neuroradiologist focus. What's the DACBARS focus? I mean, what are you looking for specifically when you see an MRI or an X-ray? So when we see them, and, you know, I, DACBARS are a pretty tight community. You know, I would say most of us are, are pretty good with, with spine, X-ray, SCT, and MRI. And we we know the value of of noticing small minutiae, I'll say, that, that maybe don't get mentioned regularly on a report. And so we concentrate on those. And, you know, oftentimes, well, you know, most of the stuff we do is second opinion. So we 
tend to spend a little more time on them. You know, if, if we read at the pace that the regular radiologists read at, we would probably, you know, not mention all those minute findings, to be honest. But, you know, if we have a couple more minutes, okay, yeah, we have some time. We, we can mention everything that, that we actually see on there, whether or not, you know, we know if they're clinically relevant. So that's kind of what we do. We, we try to spend a couple extra minutes. Well, maybe it's more than a couple extra minutes, but we try to spend a, a little more time just so uh, we're sure that we have a completely objective, thorough, uh, but most importantly, even a defensible uh, report so that, you know, it's, you can't, uh, <laughs> you can't argue with it. Right. And from a PI perspective, that's great. Now, it, it just from more of a scientific standpoint, do you read them blind or do you have some information about the fact that they were in an MBA or their age or their gender or any pre-existing conditions? Do you get that sort of information before you review it or do you review it and then look at that and combine what you've seen and what you expected to see? Or how, how do you make sure that you're not prejudiced by, you know, the, the, some external factors. Right. You know, there, I feel like most radiologists, but especially I think in the DACBAR community, we're highly cognizant of the, the effect of bias. So, so a technique we, we use and are trained in over those three years is, is to look at all the information twice, you know, so first we look at it and we, you know, we've never seen the patient, but we, even if they're given information. That was my dog. I hope you didn't hear him. But even if we're given the information when the injury occurred, you know, we tend to ignore it, at least on the first look, we come up with our report and then, then we'll look at it again, reinsert that information. Oh, okay. They had a car accident, uh, you know, seven days ago. So then, you know, does it really change the, the report? It, it could, it fine tunes it. I think all the findings are going to be the same. Uh, but for us, for example, you know, if we see a, a fracture and we can't tell if it's new or old, but then we notice that if there was an acute injury, we'll say, okay, you know, instead of saying it's an age indeterminate fracture, you know, oh, this is most likely due to uh, you know, the provided trauma from seven days ago. So that it gives the report, I think, a little bit more clinical relevance. So uh, we have we a uh, we have a special guest in the room, and uh, oh, he boy. raised his hand and asked uh, to to ask a question. Um, so we have to welcome Mr. Sean Steele. Yeah, I, I had an elective uh, surgery this morning because I wanted to wear uh, really cool glasses today. Clifford, uh, I've had experience with you about how objective can a DAC bar be and compared to an ER uh, uh, radiologist uh, or, or maybe uh, a neuroradiologist, you know, that's a fancy title that they get paid twice as much. But I've received over the years uh, radiological reports of people that, that I know are damaged. They're older, they're damaged. It was a huge accident. And then I get uh, a, a radiological report that purports to say no fractures or subluxations. And I say, you know, how about the degenerative conditions? How about disc movement? How about, how, how about uh, curvatures? And I send them to you and I never give you the background of the case. I just want your, I just want a fresh report from you, from your own point of view. And it's been a godsend. This also helps me teach other doctors quit relying on ER radiological reports that are inept and incompetent. My, my protocol is if you have got a serious PI case, send all the x-ray film to a DAC bar anyhow, even if somebody else reviewed them, if you want a comprehensive report. So I needed a point that out to you because it's been a it's, it's been very helpful keeping the case on a much higher level 
So thank you. I will thank you publicly. There's really nothing he could say to that. No, so, that was more of a comment. Well, it, yeah, I guess so. Thank you. I was going <laughs> to say he doesn't he doesn't need to have surgery in order to wear cool sunglasses. So he doesn't, but he did. <laughs> but he did. <laughs> um, but uh, oh, and we've got a question. We've never done questions before, but oh, I okay. um, Brian. Koloski. I'm, let's try this. We've never done a question. I'm going to All right. allow to talk. Brian, do you have He's a question? still muted. I, I see you've... Yourself. Yeah, I think, Brian, uh, if you're listening, you, you can unmute yourself by clicking the little audio button on the lower left. Oh, there you go. Sorry, I think I hit the wrong button, but I think uh, Sean Steele was looking to buck for the new James Bond after um, Daniel <laughs> Craig's out. No yeah, doubt. Yeah, yeah. That's it, Brian. That's what you got. That was it. I have another one coming up, but I'll do it later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Many, many thanks for that. Um, uh, uh, Alex, I have an example. If you if you want me to share my screen, I can show just an example of a no sure. radiology report. Yeah, go I mean, for it. Okay, let's see if uh, we can figure this out here. Uh, so here's uh, an example of a, well, let me show you the x-ray here, first of all. I assume you can see it? Yes. So here's an example. It's, it's uh, ADP lateral lumbar. It was done at a hospital, and I don't know if it was an ER or, or not, but it was a neuroradiologist that read it, and you'll see, you know, they have degenerative changes and osteopenia, some atherosclerosis, some other things, and uh, probably a fracture here, um, you know, so especially if you know they've had recent trauma and they have, you know, extreme pain there, you know, I would call that at least a, a possible fracture. Uh, I think eventually, I, you know, I called it a definite fracture. Uh, but here's the report from the, oops, uh, where did it go? Oh, no. In other news, you have more desktop icons <laughs> than anyone on planet Earth. Really? No, it's not that many. Let me see. Oh, here's a finger. Oh, here's the report. So here's the, the report from the hospital. And I try to block out all the names. I hope I did. I even blocked out the radiologist's name because uh, he's actually a, a personal friend of mine. And he, he's brilliant, by the way. He's very smart, but, uh, and he's a neuroradiologist with at least 20, if not 30 years of training. Uh, and if you don't know FACR after your name, you know, not just any medical radiologist can get that. They need to have, you know, good service, publications, uh, you know, uh, kind of a, a track-free record for at least 20 years in order to get the FACR. So he's well-known in the community. And so the chiropractor, I think, got the report back saying it's pretty much normal. They even called back in to say, you know, is that an L2 compression fracture? They called back and they said, no, uh, it's still no fracture. The report stands. Uh, and then that's how I got it. Uh, or maybe it wasn't a chiropractor in this case. Maybe it was a medical doctor that, that referred it. But uh, you know, so I said moderate anterior wedge compression fracture of L2, age indeterminate because, uh, you know, we, sometimes we really can't tell on an x-ray whether they're new or old. Uh, so it could be new, it could be old. And there's, you know, a few other findings here as well. So that's just, uh, I mean, this is probably one of the more stark examples I have. They're not all like this, but, uh, you know, I think that's a good reason to, uh, you know, if you question anything on, on, on the report and on the imaging you get to, you know, send them to your Nearest well, Dakbar. Dr. Tao, this, this, this raises more questions than it may be answers. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, because now you've got a neuroradiologist who you pointed out has 20 years of experience and a spotless record directly contradicting you, or, or rather you directly contradicting 
uh, him or her. So uh, how, how do you know that you're right? Or how do we know that you're right? Uh, you know, that, that's a good question. And, you know, if we went head to head, I don't know if that would ever happen in whatever, a depot or, or, or court uh, trial. In, if I this hope were not. a PI case, it would definitely happen, right? <laughs> if, if that's a PI case, the defense is going to put that guy on the stand um, yeah. uh, and say, what, you know, how do you, how do you stand behind this? We've got this, this neuroradiologist who, who disagrees with you. Um, and I'm interested in, in uh, I don't disagree with your findings. I'm interested in what you would say, uh, you know, if, if asked that question. Uh, I don't know. It's they, the, all the findings are fairly obvious to me. So I, I think I would just highlight the finding, you know, I'd have to have a picture there and say, oh, here's finding number one, two, three, four, five. Uh, it's, it's clear to me. Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, I've seen this a hundred times and uh, that's what I was trained in. That's what my experience is in. Uh, this is, a, you know, a very, you know, typical uh, routine case for us here. Uh, you know, I, I don't think I have, sometimes I don't think I have in this case, but sometimes, you know, I have a CT or an MRI to back up all those findings too. Uh, I don't think we did in this case. Well, so, so actually Dr. Senga just wrote in a question, which is right on point now, uh, uh, wrote, is it helpful to have an x-ray of the spine in addition to the MRI in a PI case? Um, I'm guessing that that was a question for, for me uh, from a legal standpoint, but I'll ask it to you from a DAT bar standpoint. I mean, do, do you find it more helpful to have additional imaging studies of different types? Uh, generally, I, I do, you know, if, if not just for the you know, typical chiropractor that's going to be adjusting, uh, I assume you're going to be manip manipulating or adjusting, I, you know, even if it's a non-personal injury case, you know, I, I tend to think it's a good idea to have, to see the joints that you're going to be manipulating or adjusting uh, even prior to adjusting. Uh, but it does help to confirm findings on the MRI sometimes. Uh, you know, I know MRI is kind of considered advanced imaging and we do see more on there. But sometimes we see stuff on the x-ray that, that we would not see on the MRI, and it's, it's not uncommon. So, sure. Now, uh, do you care where the, the, the imaging is done? Do you care if it's done in-house or if it's done at an outside facility? Uh, do I care? I mean, does uh, it affect anything in terms of, of your readings or, or the quality of the studies? No, the, you know, the, uh, there's a universal standard called DICOM, and it's uh, the standard for the type of image file format, how we store them and how we transfer them. So if the images are, are in a DICOM format, it, you know, they can be viewed anywhere. Uh, as, as long as I have the files, I have, you know, different viewers that we can plop them into and, and view them. So it doesn't matter where they're done. We can still view them, you know, just as accurately uh, and as well as the, the primary radiologist who read them. Um, and now you are, are you on a lean basis or who, who pays you who pays you? Oh, uh, good question, Alex. So I, I leave it up to the doc. I, you know, I can bill the doc cash for it. Uh, you know, I, we usually bill once a month uh, or we can bill a med pay or if there's a, a nice attorney on the lien, we, we like to take the lien. You know, if it's, uh, you know, I, I assume, you know, if the Cairo's taken the lien, you know, we'll, we'll take it too. They've taken the risk, you know, we'll take it too. And, and we could, we could put our bill on there as well. If only if it's, one of I can only think of two attorneys that I would <laughs> take their lean. Um, Me too. <laughs> um, so we, I, I, I commonly hear the phrase "smart findings," smart X-ray findings, smart MRI findings. Uh, I assume this is something of vernacular in your line of work. When you hear "smart findings," what do you what do you think of that? What do you what do you mean by that? 
Oh, uh, you know, let me, do you mind if I share my screen again? Alex? Of course not. So this is a, oh, let me get rid of this one. This is a, the picture I, you know, when I did a Facebook post kind of promoting uh, today's webinar, you know, I, I just put this picture up there and I, I actually don't remember if this was a, a PI case or not, but, you know, you can see clearly the findings here, there's disc disease and there's a spondy here, spondylolisthesis due to pars defects at L5. And then on the MRI, you can see there's a degenerated disc. And this all looks, you know, very familiar, I think, to everyone. Uh, there's no disc herniation here, uh, but I want to highlight that there is a, a small white dot here. And sometimes, you know, these are, are not called even by, you know, great radiologists because it's small or they missed it. Or sometimes it's not even the right sequence. You know, this is a, a fluid sensitive sequence and it's not this particular finding, this little white dot it isn't very obvious on a T2 and it's uh, completely invisible on a T1, but that's an annular fissure or tear. And we don't see them uh, all the time with herniations, but we can see them even without an obvious herniation here. So that's an example of, of you know, a smart finding that, that you should make, everyone should make it when, when they're looking at the MRIs, because I, I think that can have a great impact on a case, especially if it's a, you know, PI or med legal case. So, when you say everyone should make it, I assume you mean radi uh, uh, chiropractors making uh, readings on their own, reading, doing readings on their own. So let me ask you two questions, and the two questions are going to be these. One, when should the chiropractor be just relying on their own ability to read the scan versus when should they send it to somebody like you? And then the follow-up is going to be, how can they get better? What, what, what tips can you offer you know, and, and, and they can be as in the weeds as you want. And we've got, you know, quite a few very intelligent, I'm looking at the list here, chiropractors who I know read their own studies, of course, for, for diagnostic purposes, but as well as for treatment mm -hmm. purposes. So, you know, what kind of um, tips can you, can you give them as, you know, things they should be looking out for or way, methods of, of going through? So I want to start back with the first question, though. When, when should they rely on their own abilities to read versus when, when should they send it to somebody like you? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. You know, it, it depends. So if if you are sending your images out to an imaging center and, you know, you have a history of using them and you know they're radiologists and you trust them, you know, to make a, a good thorough finding, a good thorough uh, report, then, you know, maybe there's no need to even look at the images when, when you get them back. You know, you can just rely on the report. Uh, but, you know, in my experience, uh, I have not had that experience, you know, we get a lot of uh, second opinion imaging from outside imaging facilities. And, uh, you know, I don't know what the exact percentage is, but it's, it's at least 80% where we find something extra uh, or, you know, they overcalled something. Uh, you know, a lot of those findings may be not clinically relevant, but still, you know, we, we find that uh, very, uh, very commonly on, on outside imaging, even, you know, with chiropractic imaging as well. Uh, in terms of how to get better at looking at them, you know, I, I have a list uh, and some of them are impractical, like, oh, you know, just do a radiology residency uh, for three years. You know, that's kind of impractical. No one's going to want to do that, even if they have the time, you know, I, there's not many people that want to do it. Uh, but a lot is just having the time, like, like I mentioned earlier, you know, having a good office to look at it. You know, we to pretend you're a radiologist, be, be in a dark room with a nice big monitor uh, and sit in a comfy chair. I, I should have pulled up another picture, but you know, there's radiologists that are crazy over uh, monitors and ergonomic setup and stuff like that. And that 
lighting in the room. You know, this is the only room in my house that's painted dark, right? It, it, you know, every other room, including the garage is light colored. I'm like, no, I cannot have light colored paint in the office because it's going to detract me from reading. There's too much reflection from light. So stuff like that, you know, all makes a difference. Uh, but having that high index of suspicion, uh, but also, like I mentioned earlier, try to look at things twice. Try to look at it without all that information in your head that you got from doing the clinical exam, right? Even forget about what your patient looks like and forget that it's a PI patient, just it's, it's any patient. And, and just, you know, be the good doctor, look at the whole image, be objective, be thorough. And, and I think you'll come up with a pretty good report. But, you know, if you don't trust yourself and you can't sleep at night, you know, there are people that you can reach out to, uh, you know, hopefully you'll reach out to me. But there, you know, there are a lot of chiropractic radiologists out there that, that will uh, willingly take on the work. Yeah. Um, question from the audience. Uh, do you have a comment on utilizing CRMA? Um, uh, it says, I believe CRMA is a billable service to injury analysis. Um, that's Dr. Wilson. What, do you have an opinion on CRMA? Yeah. So CRMA, for those of you who don't know, stands for computerized radiographic mensuration analysis. Uh, I actually don't like the term and actually I think it's trademarked or something, so I probably shouldn't even use it, but it's really just measuring changes in we, in our practice, you know, we have, uh, several uh, DAC bars uh, that work here, chiropractic radiologists. And I tell all of them, if there are any any kind of alignment changes, you know, anterior posterior translation. Uh, definitely, if there's any flexion extension views that you see, typically in the cervical spine, but could be the lumbars, you know, we will measure them to the nearest tenth of a millimeter and then comment whether we feel it is due to ligament laxity, mild, moderate, or severe, or instability. So, uh, in those terms, you know, yeah, I, I think C. RMA is very valuable. And there's a lot of moving parts where you have to have a, a good attorney that knows what to do with the information. You have to have, you have to be knowledgeable about it. Uh, and of course the radiologist has, has to call it too. So uh, we don't go to town with measurements. Uh, there are several different companies that do that. And I think they generally do a pretty good job. Uh, bless you. But they also charge a lot more for them. So we don't charge that much uh, up front for it or even on Alina. I don't think we, we charge that much, but uh, that's our standard default procedure. If there's flexion extension, even on non-PI cases, we measure and then we, we note the severity of the laxity when appropriate. So, well, I appreciate that. It was a very comprehensive answer. Um, <laughs> um, so last couple of minutes, we got three more minutes here. I, I just okay. want to, I just want to see if you have some sort of closing thoughts for the astute radiologist who is forever a student of their craft, uh, as I'm sure you all are. I know that I am uh, in my line of work, um, you know, who's striving to get better at reading x-rays and MRIs, particularly the x-rays. A lot, a lot of facilities uh, are taking them in-house now. They have their own uh, digital MRI machine, uh, digital x-ray machines. Um, and, and, the, and they're trying to be astute, right? They're trying to do your job, but maybe faster, uh, and use the information immediately to, to craft treatment plans. And, um, you know, what, what, what could you tell them right now that might be useful today? I mean, that, that they might be able to take back and, and make more, like you call them smart findings. 
Oh, you know, so it's a lot of the the same things. I mean, it's it could be just a, if it's a workflow issue. You know, you you have uh, maybe a dedicated time. Uh, you know, once in the twice a day. You know, for each half day, once at the end of the morning, once in the in the evening when you're done. You know, where you have uh, whatever twenty thirty minutes to look at all the imaging for the day, and then so it's it's ready for the next time the patient comes in. Uh, it's really, I feel like it's really hard to do on the fly, right? You're, it's, it's, you never have enough time. You're never in the right zone. Um, you know, I, I like to say, you know, you have to mentally prepare yourself. I do, and, and I, I don't know how many people do that, but I think it makes a difference uh, just to make sure, you know, you're getting the, the best evaluation possible for your patients. Uh, in addition to that, you know, there are courses out there that, that you can take that, that help you to, you know, get better at MRI interpretation. And I encourage people to take it. Um, I think pay probably best if, if you send them to, to someone that does it all the time, you know, unless you're reading MRIs and x-rays uh, full time, you know, it's really hard to, to get good at it if you're not doing it all the time. I think that's pretty, uh, pretty fair. Uh, Dr. Tao, I want to thank you for your time today. Um, I, I Thank know you. you're incredibly busy, um, and, uh, and, and it's, it's certainly a pleasure to hear from you, but also I think the doctors learned something. Um, I hope they did. Uh, if you have any questions for, uh, Dr. Tao, how can they get a hold of you? Oh, uh, I think I'm pretty reachable. I, I think now, you know, you can just Google my name and, and find me and, and somehow, you know, call me on my cell phone or something. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can tell you my email. It's kind of long. Uh, I'm, I'm just, just trying to, if, if they oh, will okay. hold of you for a question or possibly to send you a, something to review, I was hoping that maybe you gave me a shout out here. Oh yeah. Any, I mean, I'm have a, a few extra minutes. If there's any questions, you can reach me on Facebook, LinkedIn. I have a website that's uh, just clifftowdcdacbr.com. You can reach there me through go. there. Oh, I heard something. No, no, that was that was perfect. That was uh, exactly oh. what I was hoping that you would give us a nice okay. website where people can go and check you out. Um, and uh, and yeah, um, obviously, if you have any questions for me, uh, anybody who's watching right now, or or Sean, uh, you can reach out to us through our website. That's seansteel.com. Uh, Sean Steele's email address is the easiest one in the world to remember. It's Sean Steele at seansteel.com. Mine slightly harder. Alexander Eisner at seansteel.com. Um, and uh, and I just wanted to thank everyone for attending and thank you. Dr. Tao, for your time. Thank you, Alex. It's been a pleasure. You too. Take care. All right.